Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Will you take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11? We're going to look at the first three verses. The title of the message today is Basic Faith, and this is the beginning of a seven-part message, or a seven-part series, I should say, on faith. And uh, the title of the series is Finding your faith. I'll say more about that as time goes on, but the first place of finding our faith is that place of basic faith. D.L. Moody, a great preacher of days gone by, he said this, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning, but faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. The verse that he quoted is from Paul's writings to the church at Rome, Romans 10 and verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. It's my belief, it's my very strong belief, that many people, many of God's people, have lost their faith. I don't mean that they've lost their salvation. I believe that many people have lost their, their faith. We've been blinded by things. I think that our world has become so political that we have lost our faith due to being blinded by politics. I think that the condition of the world in which we live has or is such that it has blinded our faith. I think that simple distractions of life blind our faith. I think that There are many things that have blinded us. It's an interesting thing. When we were very young, or when we are very young, faith is at its peak. This morning, I baptized a 6-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 17-year-old. I baptized three people who are young people, a time when faith seems to be at its peak. And in those times, we believe in our parents. Whatever our parents tell us, we believe. We believe in our teachers. We believe in many trusted relationships in our lives. And this is one reason that it's important for a a child to find faith early in their lives. I have three sons, all of whom were saved early in their lives. Nathan at age five, Matthew at age five, and Paul at age six. And so I I believe it's really vital that we preach and teach faith to young people and uh, that we bring up children in the house of God. Now, that being said, we oftentimes do not have the, the faith to navigate the difficult, maybe the impossible of life. 
And all of us have areas in our lives that are challenging our faith. Not one or two. We probably have many areas of life that are challenging uh, our faith. And so, to that end, I want to speak to the importance of finding our faith. And today, as I've said, I want to begin at the beginning, and that is the basics or basic faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understood that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. Hebrews 11 is the illustration of truth given in Uh, a truth given in Hebrews chapter 10. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10 says and verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The King James Version says it this way, the just shall live by faith. The most basic ingredient in life is faith. Now, well, no, we've got to have water, we've got to have air. I understand that. <clears throat> I'm not speaking of the sustenance of being alive. I'm talking about the, the act of living, what it means to actually live. And the most basic of it is faith, <clears throat> the most basic ingredient. Everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. You say, no, I don't believe that. <clears throat> I know somebody who's an atheist. They do not have faith. Yes, they do. They have faith in a belief system that is devoid of God. That is their faith. There are some people who say they do not believe in God, but they strongly believe in Father Time and Mother Earth. That is their faith system. There are a lot of people who have faith systems. Not all faith systems are the same. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So it tells me that it matters where your faith system lies. But faith is a basic of life regardless. Christian faith is imperative if we're to navigate life and go on to eternity successfully. Now, we're going to go on to eternity eventually anyway. But to navigate life and get to eternity successfully then I believe that there must, and I don't just believe it, the Bible teaches there must be Christian faith. We have to have a faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Son of God, God Himself, who is Jesus Christ. Here's what we're going to see today. I want to give you three things. First of all, I want to see that basic faith gives us life with assurance. And basic faith gives us life with confidence. And basic faith gives us life with understanding. Let's start with assurance, life with assurance. We just have to have assurances in our lives. On some level, at some point, somewhere along the way, there must be assurance in our lives. When we receive a promise, we want to know that the promise is going to be kept we have this sense of assurance. I want to know that the promise that's been made to me will be kept. When we purchase something, 
we want to have a reasonable assurance that it's going to do what we purchased it to do and that it's going to last a reasonable amount of time. In the state of Florida, in the automobile industry, there is something called the Lemon Law. Now, the Lemon Law is that law that tells you that if an automobile that you purchase new does not perform the way that it should within a reasonable period of time, there is a law that can, you can pursue something and call that car a lemon, and then something can be done about it. I've never had a lemon, uh, but um, I, I know about the lemon law. And so people have assurances in life. And because of their assurances, they have different preferences. Some of you are Chrysler people. There's nothing that I could do to change your mind about being a Chrysler person. There's one sitting right down here on the third row. <clears throat> Jimmy Powell is a Chrysler guy. He's just going to be a Chrysler guy. He loves Chryslers. And you know something? My dad grew up, a Chry- my, my dad was a Chrysler guy. The first car that I had, Somebody was asking me this this week. Jimmy was a 1960 Dodge Phoenix with a push-button transmission on the left-hand side. <clears throat> I could not keep the women off me when I drove that, uh, <clears throat> that car. What an awesome vehicle. Some people are Chrysler people. Some people are Ford people. You just absolutely, you wouldn't think of driving anything but a Ford truck. Or you're a GM person or or you're a Toyota person, you, you name it, whatever it is, you're that person. Some people are just, they absolutely must have certain assurances in their lives. We purchase insurance with some sense of assurance that it will be there when we need it. We have in this church some Aflac uh, representatives and some people who are, have a, a really good position with Aflac. Most of you don't know what AFLAC stands for. Actually, I used to be an AFLAC salesman. Before I was uh, called to preach, I got an insurance uh, license in the state of Tennessee, and I sold AFLAC. Now, that was a long time ago. AFLAC's been around a long time, but it wasn't called AFLAC back then. It was called the American Family Life Assurance Company. And so they took the first letter and made an acronym of Aflac. And they added a duck and it became genius and now it's one of the largest insurers in the world. But it's an assurance company. It's so that you can have an assurance in life. All of life needs assurance. And basic faith is that very thing. Basic faith is assurance. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance. Did you get that? It is the assurance. We could spend a lot of time exploring the various kinds of assurance that we need. Our text and a whole lot of the Bible tells us that God is, is our assurance. But let's just talk for just a little bit about how God is our assurance. First of all, we can be assured that God is a God of hope and not a God of despair. Now, that's an assurance that you can have. That's an assurance that you ought to have. Again, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, there's your God of hope. 
He is the assurance of things that we hoped. Harvard psychologist Daniel Gilbert opens a best-selling book that he wrote called Stumbling on Happiness with what he calls the sentence. And in the sentence, he says, everybody should be able to complete these eight words. You should add to these eight words, and it will help you to begin your philosophy of life. Now, I want you to listen carefully because I'm going to say something after I give you what he says. Here are the eight words. The human being is the only animal that dot, dot, dot. Now, Gilbert argues that every professor and every person needs to finish that sentence. If you're going to teach, if you're going to espouse your philosophy on other people, you should have a a sense within you of what is unique to the human being. And in his words, the human being is the only, only animal that dot, dot, dot. Now, here's where I part with him. I do not agree with Gilbert that we're animals. Now, I realize that we have characteristics of mammals and so on, but we are distinctively different from animals in creation and purpose. Let me just give you this. This isn't the message, but I can't bring up that without saying this. Genesis 1 and 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, this is the Godhead talking amongst themselves, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, with that clarification, I think that it's very interesting to see how that Gilbert finished the sentence, knowing that I don't agree with him, that we're just an animal, that we're human beings, that we're unique, created in the image of God. Here's how Gilbert finished the sentence. The human being is the only animal that thinks about the future. Very interesting. Human beings think about the future in a way that no other animal can, does, or ever has. And this simple ordinary act is the defining feature of our humanity. The average adult spends 12% of the day thinking about the future, roughly one of every eight hours. We can imagine events years in the future. And if more than several minutes are involved, no animal can keep up with us. An animal can see its prey and think about what it needs to do in order to stalk it. But the animal doesn't see its prey and think to itself, I'm going to capture that prey and then I'm going to capture another one and open up a farm and have just these animals and I'm going to uh, see them raised and multiplied and I'll have all the food that I need and then I'll be able to sell some of these animals to other people that, uh, to other uh, animals that uh, do not like to hunt like I do, and on, on and on it goes. The male goose does not look at the gander and say, wow, she's beautiful. I'm going to ask her out on a date. I sure hope she goes because she's the one I'm going to marry. And begin to daydream about how they'll be married and where they'll live and what he'll do for a living. The gander, the the male goose, looks at the gander and honks and off they go. They have a future together, but they don't plan their future together. 
All of us want to live in hope. Misplaced hope can be the greatest disappointment of life. If we misplace our hope, it's a terrible thing. <clears throat> I've often uh, told you that the, the difference between the extent of our, our hopes and the place of our reality is either our measure of excitement or disappointment. <clears throat> if my hopes are here and my reality's here, then by the, my trip to reality is an exciting journey. If my hopes are here and my reality is here, then my <clears throat> reality is a terrible fall. The measure between hopes and reality is an important measure in our lives. It isn't fun to be disappointed in hope. God will never disappoint our hope if our hope is rooted in faith. You say, now wait a minute. I had expectations one time that didn't come, through, didn't come true. But let me ask you this. Were your expectations rooted in faith? <clears throat> because that's the important thing. Basic faith is a life of assurance that God is our hope. And let me say this to you. We really have to find our faith. We in America today really have to find our faith. For years, we believers, we conservative Christian believers have had our church faith and then our political faith. And when our political faith <clears throat> didn't turn out the way that we hoped that it would, our world was crushed. Do you know <clears throat> that the power and that the sovereignty and that the ability of God has never been diminished nor increased one iota by who was elected in the Senate, who was elected in the House, or who was the president of our United States or the president of any country around the world. God is God, and he does not change. He's just as potent today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. <clears throat> we have to come to that. We have to come to that basic faith that regardless of the circumstances, God is our hope. Here's the other thing. God is our peace. He's a God of hope and of peace. As I said earlier, this could be an exhaustive list, but for now I'm going to limit it to, to hope and peace. By faith we have the assurance of God's peace. Here's what the Bible says about peace. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You probably know somebody who's the definition of peace in hard times. <clears throat> you probably <clears throat> know some person in your life and you say, I'm going to tell you what, they're just always at peace. It doesn't seem <clears throat> to matter what you throw, it's just that they are at peace. Now, the question is this, is that a personality trait or is that something bigger going on in their life? Well, I do recognize that we do have different personality traits. But the basic of peace is the assurance of faith. If you want to have peace, there's got to be the assurance of faith. Now, in a moment, we're going to emphasize the importance of having uh, faith that God is in control. But we have to understand that God is the basis of our peace. And, and we can have amazing peace when we have the basics of faith. And, and let me tell you something about those people that you think never get ruffled. And, and there are people that you feel that way about. Doesn't matter what comes to them, they never get ruffled. 
Here's the reality. I, and I appreciate that, and, and, they, and I do believe that people of faith can and should be like that. But th- that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be making every effort that we should in faith to make whatever crisis or problem better. It's, think of it like a duck. <clears throat> you ever see a duck just go across the water? It's the most beautiful, just little, just float right across the water. You ought to see it from the underside. They are just paddling like crazy. <clears throat> I mean, they are waddling and twisting and carrying on, but all you see is what's above the water. That's a little bit like the peace of God. Doesn't mean that we're in a stupor. It just means that we're confident that, uh, so confident that we're going to remain together while we paddle like crazy under the water. So first of all, <clears throat> basic faith is to have life with assurance. Here's the second thing. Life with confidence. Now I'm going <clears> to <throat> crawl out on a limb here because I have many educated people in this church, too, really too many for my comfort. But uh, <clears throat> I've got PhDs sitting here right now and, and I've got lawyers and doctors and all that kind of thing and God bless you and I love you and I'm glad you're here. And if I'm wrong on this, would you just let it go? Uh, <clears throat> but I'm about to share something that might be a little bit uh, iffy. The first law of thermodynamics, whoa, there you go. <clears throat> the first law of thermodynamics says that no mass or energy is ever destroyed. It merely changes forms. When a piece of wood is burned, it is not gone. Some of it becomes heat, <clears throat> some deteriorates into ashes, but it is not destroyed. It just changes. When a lake <clears throat> dries up, the water uh, is gone, but however, it's evaporated into the air only to fall to earth again someday as water. <clears throat> this basic law explains a lot to scientists and I think to the rest of us <clears throat> and gives us a kind of a confidence in the way that the world is put together. If you have <clears throat> that basic understanding, it, it helps you in the way the world is put together. My grandson Bradford is at the, he's been at the inquisitive stage for some time, but now he's asking things that are uncomfortable for me to answer. <clears throat> you have a normal sentence, and he will stop you in mid-sentence and say, what do you mean by that? And I have discovered that the best way to relate to my six-year-old grandson is just to not say anything. Just pat him on the head. boy, <laughs> Pop sure doesn't love you. It doesn't get much deeper than that because I'm afraid of <clears throat> where to go. But it does help to understand some of science and, and those laws. Now, what about in our faith? <clears throat> what about those things that we don't understand? How can we have confidence when the bad things happen in life to good people? How can we be certain in a world filled with uncertainty? Because just like we see a uh, wood burn up and we say, well, <clears throat> that's gone. The physicist would say, no, it's not really gone. It is transformed. <clears throat> what do we say when we have our expectations dashed and we say, well, my faith was misplaced. Is that really it? Do we really lose our faith because it didn't turn out the way that we expected or because we no longer see what we may have once saw? Uh, saw? <clears throat> you don't have to be a rocket scientist to have confidence a confidence in life. You do have to be a person of faith. And there's three areas 
of faith that make a huge difference in our confidence of life. I want to give them to you. Here's the first area of faith. You need to have this, and you're going to say, Preacher, this is elementary. I know that it's elementary, but could I tell you that a lot of us who think that we have advanced degrees in faith have forgotten the fundamentals. Here's the first thing you ought to have faith in. God is there. That's the first thing you ought to have faith in. It's amazing how much confidence comes from just knowing that God is there and that God will never leave us and God will never forsake us. Do you want to be confident in life? Well, believe God. If nothing else, just start with the fact that God is there. Hebrews eleven six, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and He rewards <clears throat> those who seek Him. God is there. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I assume that since you showed up at North Florida Baptist Church today, I'm going to assume that most of you, maybe all of you, hopefully all of you, believe that God is there. Last week or so, when we were in Colorado with our high school seniors, we had the opportunity to go to the Continental Divide. That's about two miles above sea level. It's above the, uh, the tree line. And the view was just breathtaking. And uh, there's a snowmobile uh, guide there that I've known for 20 years. Um, His, I don't really know his real name, we call him Mouse. Mouse is in his 50s now, and we just refer to Mouse. And uh, I I got off my snowmobile and just, just looked up there, and to be honest with you, got choked up. I almost started to cry standing up there. It wasn't because of the cold, it was because of the majesty. And I went over to Mouse and I said, Mouse, you know that someone made this, don't you? And he looked at me, and Mouse has his own troubles in life. Mouse looked at me and he said, oh, yes, I do, Pastor Ray. Oh, yes, I do. And we began to talk a little bit about the greatness of God. The most basic of faith is to believe that God is there. You have to come to that. God is there. Sometimes when a tragedy happens in our nation, someone will ask the question, where was God? I know that we've had school shootings and various terrible things like that and various massacres, and people will ask the question, where was God? Well, I don't mean to be political or unkind when I say this, but, but I, I will say that God has been systematically removed uh, from places where he needs to be. It's an interesting thing that you can't give a Gideon Bible in a school, but you can give them all day long in a prison or a jail. You can get those Gideon Bibles for those people in jail, can't you, Steve? But regardless of how you feel about that political aspect of what I just had to say, the truth is that God never leaves. God is always there. That's what we want to know. We want to live in confidence that God is always there. You get bad news, God's there. You get good news, God's there. Are you greatly disappointed? God's there. Are you greatly excited? God's there. Is your heart broken? God's there. Is your heart delighted? God is there. 
God is always there. Here's the second thing. We want to know that God is pleased. We want God to be happy with us. If we believe that God is, then we want Him to be pleased with us. Now, how is that best accomplished? What can I do to make sure that God is pleased with me? Now, I, I think that we could try to put together a list, but this isn't about the list. This is about one basic, and that is God's insistence on faith. <clears throat> to please God, we must absolutely relate to Him in faith, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now, that is where faith is hard uh, for most of us. We say that we have faith to live uh, and, and faith to, uh, to believe in God for eternity, but we have a hard time living by faith without some confirmation or dependence on something else. You've heard people <clears throat> say this, well, I believe in God, but God helps those who help themselves. And I think they think that's in the Bible, and it's not in the Bible. And could I tell you this? I believe that God wants us to help ourselves. And I think it's just silly to pull up to a, a banquet table and put your arms below the table in your lap and see all that sumptuous food and say, God, feed me. Well, okay, eat. I'm just waiting for you to feed me. I'm going to tell you something. You will die in that chair. <clears throat> God wants you to do what he's given you the ability to do. And we want God to be pleased with us with what we do. But the way that we do it is by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we want to live by faith. It's good to have a, what I call a walking around faith. Faith that's always activated. Uh, not <clears throat> saved for a rare or catastrophic occasion. But faith is just working. When you leave here today, you ought to have a walking around faith. That's the basic. Just to walk it around faith. God is there. God is, is, is with me. God is not far from me. God is close. God is there. I want God <clears throat> to be pleased with my life. So believe that, that God is there and, and live by faith so that God is pleased. And then understand this. God is indeed near. That's vital. Here are two great verses from Psalms that speak to the proximity of God to us. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Do you think God is distant from you? I just think God is so far from me. No, no, God is near. Call on him. He said, Pastor Ray, I wish I had one of those mountaintop experiences like you had up there at the Continental Divide, and <clears throat> you were two miles above sea level, and, and uh, you could clearly see the hand of God. I want to tell you something. You can clearly see the hand of God in the nursery today. You can clearly see the hand of God in the people around you. You can clearly see the hand of God in that cold snap we had this week here in Tallahassee. To... to Believe God is to see God is, is here. We oftentimes close, our, we always close our service with a song. We don't close with a final prayer. We close with a song. <clears throat> Sometimes a song that we close with is, and we're going to close today with it, is the song, 
He is here. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Holy, holy, I will bless his name again. He is here. You can touch him. Hear him calling out your name. He is here. Hallelujah. I will never be the same. You got to believe that he's here. Brooke, some are sitting on one side of you. But God is sitting with you too. He's here, Summer. He wasn't just here this morning when you prayed to receive Jesus. He wasn't just here when you were in the baptistry. He's with you now. He is near and he is here. Basic faith is something for all of us. It gives us life with assurance and confidence. And then here's the final thing. It gives us life with understanding. Let's say that all of us activate our basic faith today at the same time, all right? We're, gonna, we're all Mr. Gadget in faith, and we're all going to activate our faith. We're going to push the button at the same time. All of us are pushing our button at the same time. We're going to activate our faith together. No one is going to have any more faith than anybody else. We're all going to have the same faith. What would our understanding of God be if that were the case? What should we and could we understand about God? Well, a couple of things, and, and we're done. Three things, and we're done. First of all, we should understand that God is great. He's just great. We believe so much in a relational God, and I do believe in a relational God. I believe that, that God knows us, and He feels our infirmities. He, he touches our lives, and we can reach out and touch him. I, I really believe in a relational God, but I want to tell you something. I don't believe so much in a relational God that I lose sense that God is great. He is absolutely great. Walking with God does not mean that we appreciate any less his greatness and power. No one, I believe, captured the greatness of God any more than Job. This is a, several verses, but I want to read this. This is Job. You, you remember Job, the guy that was so tested so many times in the Bible? Here's what he said about God. This is a guy that was tested. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, and the, the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the moon and spreads over it his cloud he has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness <clears throat> the pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke by his power he stills still the sea by his understanding he shattered Rahab let me just pull over and tell you that Rahab there is is not Rahab the harlot of the New Testament this is written in the Old Testament he's referring to a mythical uh, sea monster that was called <clears throat> Rahab by his wind the heavens were made fair, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? That is awesome. God is awesome. Job was indeed a troubled person, but he never got under the delusion that God was anything except great. 
You may never know anyone great in your life. Actually, we think we do know people who are great in our lives. But the truth is, those people who are great in our lives, if they will be absolutely, perfectly honest, they would understand and say this, I am not great, God is great. God is great. That's something we have to understand about Him. Here's the second thing. I've alluded to this a couple of times today. God is good. He is always, always good. This is where we get a little squeamish. When something happens in our lives, we sometimes question the goodness of God. Why would a good and loving God do that? Why would a loving God allow this or that or whatever it may be? Here's here's a a statement that I heard somebody else say, and I wrote it down, and I've said it for years, and so I'm going to say it to you. I hope you write it down, and I hope you start saying it for years. God is too wise to be mistaken, and He's too good to be unkind. That's the truth. God is always good. Now, I found some pretty bad situations and had some pretty bad situations to deal with, in my life, and I've had to help others to be guided through difficult waters in their lives. And what may appear to be bad to us is oftentimes the goodness of God working out a better and a higher purpose than we'll ever understand. Now you say, how can I see that? Sometimes you won't. You just have to believe it. That's faith. It's what the whole thing is about, faith. God is good. I don't understand this. It doesn't feel good, but God is good. We have a little granddaughter on her way. And if everything, all planes and trains and automobiles run on schedule, she'll be here May the 5th. Chances are she won't be here May the 5th. It'll be a little before, a little after. It could be on May the 5th. My son and daughter-in-law asked if we would be willing to do something for them because there's this big thing going on in the world today about no vaccination. And uh, they said, would you be willing to have a whooping cough booster? Because um, whooping cough is bad for adults, but it, it could take a child's life. And that's true, it could. Now, let me say something to you. I would do anything for my children. And I would do anything for Lindsay because... I love Lindsay, but I have a relationship with Lindsay through my son, Paul. But Emerson, I would do whatever it takes for Emerson. And could I tell you this? Going to the doctor's office and having the nurse give me that shot, and and I got double-crossed. My doctor's sitting in here right now. I got double-crossed. I just asked for the booster. But he wrote on my chart that I should have the pneumonia shot too. Thanks a lot. So I got in there and the, the nurse who is from Russia looked at Jan and said, you'll have one shot? Mr. Ray, you will have two. No. Yes, you will have two. You will have the booster and you will have the, she said, pneumonia shot. And so I had two. It didn't feel good. And later on, my arm got a little sore, but it was good. And you know what else? I'm going to hold that little girl, God willing. 
I'm going to kiss her cheeks and kiss her forehead, kiss her on the top of the head, and I'm going to feel like it didn't feel good, but it was good. You say, oh, it's more serious than shots. I'm going to tell you something. Few things are more serious than shots. <laughs> that being said, it's a good thing. We need to understand that sometimes that when it doesn't feel good, it is good because it's God working in our lives. Amen? Come on. Here's the final thing. We have to understand that God is great and God is good and God is guiding. He is always guiding and leading. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is where the walking by faith comes in. When we believe that the, the greatness and the goodness of God, when we can rejoice in where he takes our path, when we will speak more of walking by faith, it, look, all of this, when, when we come to that place of saying, I know that God is guiding me, then we've got basic faith. I close with a statement. Hope is hearing the melody of the future. Faith is to dance to it. You know what I think? I think that we need to find our faith again so we can dance to the tune of God. I think we need to find our faith again so that, that when we are with the Lord and He plays the melody of hope in our hearts, we know the steps to take. And He walks with me And He talks with me And He tells me I am His own And the joy we share as we tell none other has ever You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.